Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And that's how we start the Great Fire of London. Hey, that's how the last plague ended, to be fair. So uh, we maybe it. we kick it off again. Yeah, that's it. There that's we how go. we do it. <laughs> yeah, quick, let's get on before this gets any more incriminating. so much for joining me on So I Start a Revolution from my bed with me, Jason Reed, and today we're going to get into bed with Tin and Duyeb, who's a good friend of mine, a brilliant comedian, he's got all sorts of writing credits on TV programmes, he's supported Frankie Boyle, he's been around the country and the world with his comedy set, but he also does kids comedy, so make sure you check out Comedy Club for Kids and his podcast, Partly Political Broadcast, which is genuinely amazing because he manages to strip down politics, make it funny, and talk to the people on the front lines. And if you need any help, don't forget this podcast is produced in support of thecalmzone.net and please do seek them out if you do need to chat because they've got a helpline which is 0800 585858 and they've also got web chat if you need it as well. And if you can afford to donate anything, a pound, even if you're listening to this podcast, it all helps their services so please do reach out to them, donate to them. And let's get into this and if you don't know what this podcast is about, it's about, in air quotes, mindfulness it's about comfort it's about nostalgia it's about nonsense so what can we do if we're in our own environments if we're struggling a little bit with mental health what can we be aware of what can we think of what nice things we got around us let's get into this let's have some nonsense with tin and do yet I'm joined again by Tin and do yet because you've I've had you on stop and search which was amazing because you was able to talk about satire and parody and that because you're uh, genuinely amazing I'm not just saying it because you're in front of me on the screen but your podcast partly the political broadcast is one of my favorites because you've got such a way of stripping down the politics and making sure that people can understand it but not in any kind of patronizing sense but it's funny and especially at the moment that's kind of what we need isn't it so thank you so much Tin and for joining me on this new one that we're doing which is so I start a revolution from my bed and hello Hello, uh, thank you. That was a, what, a, what a lovely introduction that was. That was very nice. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on this and and hopefully talk less seriously about things. I'm talking less seriously about things at the moment. I'm enjoying being sillier while things are grimmer. I think it's a good way to combat it. And how's it going on the podcast? Because you know, it must be a weird trial of a time for you with being involved in the politics and comedy and everything that's going on. It's bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. It's it's hard to 
it's hard to write the podcast at the moment. Not because there's actually quite a lot that's going on, but it's all along the same lines of things aren't happening enough and lots of people are suffering. How, how do I make that into comedy? <laughs> it's very hard. Um, and you've got to be very delicate with how you do it. Um, but also I, I interview people every week, as you know, and, and finding different people to talk to about what is essentially the same story week after week it, it is quite tricky but I mean I say that lots of people are still listening and, and I'm still enjoying doing it but I'm having a little break this week I'm going to do a shorter episode just to have a breather from it all and uh yeah try and try and sort of re- replenish them we, we've been talking on the comedy scene at the moment about how when we return uh, when when all, when things i say go back to normal they won't be normal but when things change and we're allowed outside again um and everyone has loo roll um then we'll the comedy circuit's going to be terrible because we're all going to have jokes about the same thing <laughs> all our life experiences will have been yeah so who's been trapped inside for 3 months and really had to fight for eggs in the supermarket you know so it's not like there's no <laughs> there's not going to be any like different material you have five acts on and one after the other will all just be the same thing <laughs> see i've always thought that comedy should have like cover songs so that's it you just you're just going to go into the cover so- song kind of era of comedy where again everybody says the same thing because it's been bloody strange isn't it like you said yep. we're all in the same boat and this is one of the first levelers that we've had in society for quite a while yeah, absolutely. But then you see that makes the cover song thing problematic. We're all going to be going, "Hey, do you remember when you could shake someone's hand? Do you remember? Do you remember then?" And that'll be like that's horrific. <laughs> and even being in because the last comedy gig I went to was Mark Watson when he did a taping, and it was a massive packed room. And I think back to, to that now, and I'm always getting like anxiety of all that amount of people in one room. And when presumably live comedy starts, that's going to take some getting used to again, isn't it? People being in the same area. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really strange. And I I mean, uh, who knows what will happen, but I, you know, with the Edinburgh Fringe being cancelled, I'm wondering if comedy is going to have to go back to being in smaller rooms with smaller audiences again for a while, which there's something quite nice about that. That's where I always feel it should be anyway, in low ceiling rooms uh, with sort of not too many people. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see, won't we? We'll see. We're all adapting during this and all, all the comedians I know, we're all suddenly learning how to do online gigs and we're learning how to uh you know live stream stuff and adapt what we do and write things and and in a way that's uh, while there's a lot of it that's scary and there's a lot of the fact that our entire workload has just gone and no one has any work that's terrifying but the the exciting bit is the creativity that's coming out of it and some people are being really imaginative um with taking what they do and, and changing it up so that's that's a good that's a positive and also lots of remote recordings which is useful for people in the disability sector because we're now having that conversation yeah it's been fascinating so, so um like the cosmic shambles network who's robin ince's sort of uh crew they've been doing loads of live streamed gigs which like josie log and john nick roberts loads loads of comedians been doing but also scientists and all sorts of people have been on it and um next up comedy have been too and loads of them and it's been fascinating how many people with disabilities have said finally i can watch these gigs live yeah. and there's something so lovely about that and it makes you realize how ridiculous it is that we haven't been doing that you know, or well, some people had been, so I shouldn't generalise, but most people hadn't been doing that for a very long time. I don't know if you heard, but I just had the ice cream van come round. What? I know. I still don't know where I'm at with the ice cream van. Is it okay for that or not okay? I'm, I just. Do they have to throw the ice cream at you from two <laughs> metres away? Yeah. Because yeah, if so, I'd quite like that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Deliveroo for ice cream, so it's just, yeah, chuck through it. Oh, God. Anyway, um, you live in London. Um, how yep. is it there? Because it must be strange living in, uh, you know, on top of people 
and still getting your one allotted walk per day. How's that going for you? It is very weird. It's weird for um, uh, we don't have a garden, so that's not fun. Uh, we've got luckily I'm I'm right in north North London uh, in North Finchley, and there's loads of green spaces, so that really helps. Um, but also it's weird in that I've seen lots of pictures of central London where it's completely dead. It's almost like 28 days later, empty. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of jealous. I kind of want to go for a walk there, but I'm obviously not allowed to go. You know, you're not meant to go that far, and you're not meant to travel in. But I I think it would be the like the best I've ever seen London. Like I really, I really, like, there's a, the weird thing that you get as a comic, right? Is I, I come home quite often from gigs at like two, three in the morning. If I'm doing a gig out of London, by the time the gigs ended, uh, you know, I've driven home, I've stopped somewhere on the way. I get home and it's like two, three a.m. and the streets are empty. There might be the odd car, there might be the odd person walking around, and I always think, God, it's so beautiful, and so peaceful right now. Mm. But it's still London. There's something really lovely about it. And this is the first time ever it's like that in the daytime. And it, obviously, this isn't for a good reason. I'm not pretending I'm glad it's like this, but there's a bit of me that's like, oh, I wish I wish I could go out in it more or just sort of walk around yeah. like so, like St. Paul's Cathedral and some of the some of the bits that you never get to see empty, like, you know, Green Park or Regent's Park or some of those bits. Um, sadly, I can't do that. But, but our area is our area is very residential, so it's not dead. Uh, most people are being quite cautious. Most people, not everyone. So let's start on these questions then, because you, you, you were really kind to send me over your answers. So I've been reading through them, and my word, they're good answers, especially the first, the first one that we're going to talk about, which is comfort. So I've always, I've structured these questions in a certain way, because being predominantly housebound, I've just had these certain coping mechanisms, and one of them is comfort. So I, I'm very aware that the average person squanders rest so they'll sit on the sofa, flip through their phone, flip, flip through the channels, three hours pass and it's time for bed and they're like, oh, didn't do anything. So I think set yourself up for rest, make an event, clear all the decks, get yourself down there and make it as if you're going to the cinema but you're in your own home. So if you was to have a snuggly night in, you know, all the decks are clear, you've got no gigs on, how would you set yourself up for that proper night in? That's such a good question. Um yeah, I don't know. It's really tricky, isn't it? I, I mean, we, we just. I, mean, I tell you what's weird is asking this in the current time, right? Because if this was even two months ago, it would have been right in pajamas as soon as possible, get some booze in, get some snacks in, and now it's like we rarely leave pajamas. <laughs> 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 we re- <laughs> <laughs> I did like one of the few things I did was like right I'm just going to order some beers in so I've got them for the month so we've got various you know um, it's these funny times um, but I mean all of this has changed since uh, parenting where now my daughter gets down to sleep about seven now if we're lucky we oh, finally wow. got a routine and she's finally sleeping through the night after two years of not um, and so by the time we've sort of finally wound down and gone, right, we can settle in and watch something. It's about 7.38. And then we're like, well, we can't watch a film that's too long because we're <laughs> tired and we won't focus. <laughs> so we've got all these things. But I mean, generally, it's, it's really as simple as um, we're, we like far too many snacks. We're trying to be really good and not eat after a certain time in the evening. But in these last few weeks, we like, sod that get crisps in, get popcorn in, we've got to do this. So savoury snacks, loads of crisps, loads of popcorn. I'm a big paprika crisps fan, tomato ketchup walkers crisps, champions. Um, uh, and uh, and some booze. Um, I, I'm trying not to drink beer, but I just love beer so much that it is really hard. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. We I've been well into... Um, 
we've got got well into you know i don't know if you you feel like this sometimes you feel like the timing of getting into something is is a bit askew with world events so one of the things i just watched recently was a series called kingdom on netflix oh, yeah, yeah. which is about um a, a south korean uh, well it's korean because it was set in medieval times and it was like just one place and um it was about a zombie outbreak in like during one of the dynasties and so it's medieval zombie outbreak political thriller and it basically contains stress on kind of disease levels and politics levels and i'm like this is maybe not the best thing to be watching now but it's amazing and so we would just like huddle down get booze in sit and watch like two or three episodes of that back to back and that was ideal (laughs) i did notice that on the stream channels on on now tv i've got all three prime and netflix all the trending ones for the last two weeks have been apocalyptic so you've got world war z 28 days later um armageddon was one of them like so people are kind of seeking out the apocalyptic films and for some reason i don't know if that's a good thing and people spotting up and going right how are we going to handle the next stage when the zombies do come out i don't, I don't know how to take that yeah, it's all, well, I think there's something in it as well. So, like, one of the, the books I read recently, which, again, was sort of really poor timing in retrospect, but I didn't know, I read this in January, was um, Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And it's about, um, it, it's in a, a post-pandemic future where the world's been pretty much wiped out by a flu. And it's about a group of people who survived and they perform Shakespeare in different towns around the US as they travel along and perform Shakespeare for, for the survivors. And it's beautiful and it's really engaging. Like I couldn't put it down. I read it in like a day, just like, bah, 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 I had to get through it. And um, and again, you look back and go, all oh, right, it's a bit weird. But the human- it's all about the humanity and it's all about the people in it and how the people persevere and what their memories are and what their hopes are and, and uh, how it, you know, I don't know how they coped. And so I suppose in a way that's what we all want and I, and I think like zombie films often one of the things I've always loved zombie films but I think the big thing is you always it's always about the people it's not about the zombies yeah. the zombies are there and then it's like how do people react to this who are the strong people that manage to work as a community as opposed to the weirdos that do terrible terrible things you know and that's why you kind of you work with it so maybe that's it maybe we're all just getting tips yeah yeah I th- or I think is, is it Zombieland that they've got the the pursuit of Twinkies I think that yeah. th- there's got to be a Twinkie of our generation, surely. I can't. I think we've, Sarah and I have found one. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it's shortbread. I think that our, our accompaniment of the apocalypse is definitely shortbread because we've got two tins left over from Christmas and we've been working through it. That and milk, <laughs> for me, Milky Bar. For some reason, I've just got, got addicted to Milky Bar. Oh, wow. That's yeah. good work. Which I don't want to. So on that note, on that kind of admission that I am putting on weight, um, have you got a comfort blanket film for your night in. So something you want to wrap around you that you go, okay, I can now breathe. Everything's all right with the world. Yeah, this is tricky because you asked me this and and the problem is I've got loads and and it all depends on what mood I'm in. So like Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark was on last night and it was impossible not to watch. I mean, we had to do, we were doing an online pub quiz with friends because we're those sorts of uh, socialites now. It's also because you can't dodge social invitations when you're, you'd actually have to leave the house. (laughs) Like it's really hard to go, no, I'm too busy because you're not, you're not busy with anything. Um, But you don't have to travel home afterwards. So it's a win. Um, but uh, but like I can't not watch that film because that film I watched like constantly since I was a kid and it still is exciting to me and it's still so beautifully filmed and that intro sequence still sends shivers down my spine uh, and Indiana Jones is still so goddamn funny and cool but in a reckless rough I always preferred him to James Bond because I always thought he was totally. he was lucky and more sort of 
I don't know, there was a, a humanity to it and a groundedness and a, and a, the fact that he often would almost lose his hat, whereas James Bond was too slick and I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> but I think the, one of the Big Bang oh, Theory of, of that film, of how Indiana Jones doesn't play a part in any of that plot, if you take Indiana Jones out of the film, that whole plot line would continue. And that kind of blew my mind because <laughs> it, it is true. Like none of it revolves around the character. It's like if you lifted him out of it, the arc still gets found. It still gets opened by the Nazis and everything goes back to normal without the character. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. So the Big Bang Theory, yeah, you can go and do one because it's ruined that film for me now. That's horrific. So, oh no, what? So he doesn't need to be there. So, but what, I mean, that film... We, would really struggle with that, like Indiana Jones. It, like watching it as a film, it'd just be Nazis looking for a box. Yeah, and no one's going to watch a film where Nazis are the lead characters. No, it's true. Although, in glory, well, Downfall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are films about Nazis, but I mean, like a fantasy adventure film, a kids film. <laughs> you're not going to get a kids. Nazis. Like... Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to have like <laughs> the funky fancy adventure Nazis and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It doesn't work quite the same. <laughs> See, we, we've taken Godwin's Law to a whole new level on this. <laughs> yes, yes, so much. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, well, I was, I was just going to say that the answer I sent you was Singing in the Rain, uh, which is still, uh, again, if it's on, I can't not watch it. Like, I have to watch it because it's amazing. Why is because... it about that film? Do you know, I, I don't know, I hate me. I'm not, it's not that I hate musicals. I'm very, there's only a handful of musicals I can deal with because otherwise I just think, why are you singing about that? Why don't you just say it and then get on with it? Exactly, it, yeah really bothers me um apart from i've got west side story i think it's just amazing um uh, i really like the who's one tommy yeah. um hamilton i find, i saw a couple of years ago and that is now in the list of allowed ones um How about grease yeah. two? what which one grease two no no none of the greases not on my list no little shop of horrors that can go on there yeah, that's yeah, good definitely yeah but the writing is beautiful. Like, I don't know, the ones... And, and uh, like Tim mentioned, Matilda, all those, you know, there's ones where people have... I don't know, the writing works. But, um, yeah, Singing in the Rain is just incredible. Like, I, I think it's it's not just that, A, I like all the music in it, but the tap dancing is unbelievable, right? It's just unbelievable. Gene Kelly was one of the last sort of talents who could sing and act and dance and be funny. He had incredible comic timing. It's it's a very funny film too. I, I mean, I, there's there's so much to it. It's one of those. I think it just makes you look back at those kind of golden era of of celebrities and go, they really were incredible at so many things. I shamefully have never seen it because what I, I know it's like you said. It just doesn't seem to you know fit with my with my makeup. I I don't do musicals. I don't do singing and dancing. So it's it's gone under my radar. I must confess. Is is so feel good as well without being cheesy about it. That's the other thing is there's a proper plot line to it, and and I think I don't know. I, I think that any worries you might have that the music is, I, I think that that's the thing with musicals. Is a lot of the time I just go, I don't know why you're singing here. There's no reason to give me this is a musical, yeah. <clears throat> but in singing the rain because it's about Technicolor and 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 films becoming. Um, you know, it's talkies. It's the change from silent films to talkies. And so they have to sing and they have to perform because it's about how film changed and people heard the the actors finally. So it's got a real reason for it. But also every single one of the songs is perfect and fits. And, ah, man, I don't know. It, it gives you a good feeling. It's just I mean, a proper feel-good thing. I'm exactly like you, that I can't do Evita or uh, Les Mis because I, I just don't like it when they sing all the way through because I think it's tuneless I think you're just doing this for a transition into the next big song um, so anything like this so he's singing in the rain 
talking and singing or is it singing all the way through no no talking and singing there's right. only so many songs in it it's not consistently i might give uh, it a go then yeah, it's also that thing of, I can't stand all the new musicals that are like, hey, we took the songs of this act and now we've somehow roped a story around it, even though right, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, I've still got dreams, though, to write the uh, music ba- musical based on the songs of Rage Against the Machine, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> I will do it one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've also got another answer for your comfort film as well, which I completely do agree with. It's the Muppets movie, yeah. But it's the recent one, which is, I mean, the old ones as well are amazing. And obviously Muppets Christmas Carol at Christmas, so you can't watch it all the time. That'd be ridiculous. Um, But the recent one had, oh man, I don't know. I made made my daughter watch it recently. She's really got into the Muppets. um, And she now watches Muppet Babies on Disney Plus and stuff, and she loves it. And um, I can do a reasonable Kermit the Frog impression. And so I, she's got a little Kermit doll, and I have to talk to her as Kermit quite often. Yeah. and so I, was, I thought, well, I can get her watching the Muppets movie. And I, I hadn't seen it in probably a few years. And I forgot how, like, very, very funny it is. Like, well, there's a gag in it that is that floors me every time, which is uh, simply there's a montage of them. Well, they, they go and pick up all the old Muppets to get them back on. So they go and visit Fozzie, and he's in a sort of tribute Muppets band. And then they visit Gonzo, and he's making all these... Uh, incredible toilets and uh, then he blows up his factory and they go through and then they do a montage and they get to the end of the montage and Ralph the dog just says hey you didn't show me and I had such a great story and they're like oh okay and then they cut back and Ralph's in his hammock and they go hey Ralph you're going to rejoin the Muppets and he goes yeah and then they cut back and he goes yeah classic and that's it and it's so well timed it's beautiful um so it's really funny but it's got the beautiful heartwarming nostalgia like the real feel that the muppets had which was that there was a heart and a care to it and they were a a family and i don't know like it had me like equally slightly watery eyed properly laughing all the way through again it's just and, and the songs in that I mean, again, we talk about musicals. That should go on there. Am I a man or am I a Muppet? Muppet or man track is... Yeah, that's That's amazing. up there with some of the greatest tracks ever. I, I've always liked Muppets Take Manhattan as well because it always used to come on at Christmas. So we always used to tape it and we watched it religiously throughout the year. Um, but, and so when they did do the new Muppets, I was like, oh, are they, they going to pull this off? And they totally did, didn't they? They, they worked yeah. it. But they're not in the one after that. The one, I can't remember what it was called. The one, the sequel to that was not great. Yeah. Which is a shame. Muppets Take what... Manhattan's also got that incredible joke in it where there's uh, there's a bit where f- f- uh, I think it's Kermit sitting on a bench looking very sad because Kermit and Fozzie are brothers in it which doesn't make sense. And it sh- there's a picture where they, they look at a picture of their dad, who's like half frog, half bear. And then there's a, there's a bit where c- they continue that joke and Kermit's on a bench crying or being really sad. And little girl says to her mum, look, mummy, it's a bear. And she goes, no, honey, that's a frog. Bears wear hats. And it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, that's, that's so, be- <laughs> so beautifully done. That, that kind of transitions me into... Do you like the series? Because the next question of this is going to be like a comfort box set. So would you put Muppets in a series that you've watched and caught up on since you've since childhood? Uh, the old the old ones, yeah. I haven't watched the more recent one again, even though I did really like it. Um, but yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something they're quite hard to find the whole th- box set of. Now, they're not on any streaming thing, weirdly. Uh, and I've got one old DVD which includes the Star Wars episode where Mark oh, wow. Hamill and C-3PO and that were in it. But um, Legendary. The one other one I really was Jim Henson's Storyteller, which I have managed to get on DVD. Yes. And that is still beautiful, like properly just beautiful to watch. That's got John Hurt as the, as the actual storyteller. Yeah, yeah, he was amazing in that role. 
So would you have that down as a as a comfort box set? Yeah, almost certainly. I mean, it's 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 tricky again. I've, I I I tell you what I'm, I find at the moment is that there is that there's so many things that I want to rewatch, but there's also so much new stuff that I haven't yet watched. And trying to work out whether I just go, ah, oh, it's this brilliant show that I love again, like um. Uh, well, we were talking about rewatching all of Parks and Recreation because I just love it so much. But it's like at the moment, there's like other series we need to. And we're like, do what do we spend the time on? Our limited time? <laughs> do we try and catch up on something new, or just hunker down and go right? We need to catch up with Leslie Nope's life all over again. It's very tricky to do it. Let's let's tweak the question then. So, comfort boxes is what I've got down here. But what new ones are you starting to watch? Uh, we 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 always watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. We are absolutely just hooked on that show. Uh, as soon as there are new ones, we just devour them very very quickly. I think it's one of the most incredible recent sitcoms. It's so sharp and also really um skillful in that there are now I should know this off the top of my head. Um, is it seven or eight main characters? I can't I can't bother to count. But there's like eight main characters, and every single episode has a storyline for all of them. So it's either three of them in one group, three in another group, two in another, or four and four, but there'll always be a way to include every single one of them and play off their strengths and weaknesses perfectly. And that's an incredible thing to do from a writing point of view. Mm. Um but just the gags are so Andy Samberg is so funny in it um so that's that's a big hit we've just started watching um we uh, something that i've never seen before but lots of people talking about was broad city which is a sitcom uh, about two women living in new york two sort of millennials uh doing kind of temping jobs one's a cleaner at a gym and the other one i don't we still don't really know what she does in the series because she doesn't ever turn up and falls asleep at her desk all the time but it's it's really funny um really snappy as well very savvy and better call saul is still on the list because i still think that's brilliant oh, okay. as well I've just started yeah. through so many recommendations. Community, everybody's been raving oh, about that. Oh yeah, yeah. But you see, community. So community, because that's just gone on Netflix now as well. And the first two seasons of that are like sitcom, like heaven. They're just incredible. And then they changed the showrunner, and season three is a bit weird. Then he came back, and season four is a bit better. And it's like so it goes variable. But the okay. first two seasons are some of the best television ever. What's it like being a comedian and watching funny things on telly? Because do you analyse it at all? Do you think, oh no, that works, that doesn't work? Or can you zone out and just get into it? Uh, it totally depends on what it is. It's one of the reasons I love like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I just totally zone out and watch it. But there's loads of other stuff that I analyse every single bit of it. And it's, I feel like it's almost like a, the biggest compliment to something if I can watch it without thinking about any other aspect of it other than just enjoying it. Um, but I find myself mostly, especially... Uh, I, I I think there's something about if it's American or British. If it's British, I almost analyse it more. If it's American, I almost go, well, it's a TV show, which is a terrible thing to do. I should be more supportive of British stuff, um, really. But, uh, yeah, I all sorts of, especially political stuff. So, like, John Oliver, uh, last week tonight, I can watch, um, and I'm less critical of it. But I'll still, like, say to, like, uh, my wife, like, in the middle, he'll do a line. I'll be like, ah, that wasn't the right punchline for that. Oh, I should have extended that. Or, oh, he's carried that one on too far. And I'll still be a total dick about it, even though he's essentially done something brilliant and it's a brilliant show. Whereas I find UK ones, I'm even worse with that. And I often just can't watch them. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. Because, you know, with, with, when I was in the, in the band doing music, you know, I always used to pull apart music to the point where you just couldn't quite enjoy it because you just had too much of the kind of the science going into it. And so do you find that when you are watching something, uh, do you have to go for something other than comedy if you want to properly zone out or can you just take it or leave it? 
yeah, I don't often. I mean, this uh, apart from certain sitcoms, actually, we we tend to go for more. Um, I I love sci-fi stuff. I love kind of uh, weird. I don't know what you'd call it, like sort of slightly altered world series uh you know where it's our world that something strange or weird has happened um uh or like like dark on netflix is really good it was a weird sort of german series about like time travel and that sort of thing is right up my street i love that for escapism i was like i loved game of thrones all that sort of thing where i could just pretend i'm absolutely anywhere else but here <laughs> and that yeah, yeah. that makes me incredibly happy it's really good looking forward and keeping focus is kind of the subcategory of this so again, because of the surroundings I've got, I've always found that it's useful to keep looking forward to something and, and sort of not necessarily thinking of the, the surroundings that may be a bit turbulent at that time. So, so if you've got any kind of live events that you look forward to that go on. Yeah, it's I don't not like major one like um I've I mean we'll see if they go ahead. I've got a few music gigs booked in for the next few months, <laughs> and like I try and like book in to see uh like uh, I try and get cheap tickets say like to the National Theatre just so I've got I try and see a certain amount of plays every year. I feel like I've done I've done comedy for ages, and while I lo- there's so many other comedians I love, I don't feel like I learned from them as much anymore as I do say watching other art forms entirely so if i watch an absolutely amazing play i almost feel if i learn watching how they tell a story or how that's written i feel like that changes how i might write more than say watching a stand-up that i admire because i already know how joke structures work or feel like i do if that makes sense it sounds really wanky apologies but um so so my my favorite things are going to live music gigs and uh going which I don't do as much since parenting since becoming a dad mm-hmm. but um going to see big live music gigs I used to get to gig at lots of festivals which was like a dream and uh and then go to see some live theater a few times a year so um I don't know if any of the things I've booked in are still going ahead but those would be my things I mean weirdly though as someone who ray I, I it's not it's not that I rail against kind of cheesiness, but I, I have a real like anger towards a lot of Saturday night TV and a lot of the kind of uh, reality TV shows purely because I think I know so many people that work so hard to make beautiful stuff that makes people think or, and, and isn't necessarily like tricky. I don't want to go for like, over intellectual stuff. I just mean things that have got a lot of heart put into more, you know, and then you watch, I don't know, somebody that's getting paid a lot of money to dance like an idiot. And you go, Oh Jesus Christ. Um, but, Eurovision I've really got into purely because I love tweeting through it. I love tweeting through Eurovision and um, I, I, there's something really enjoyable about taking the piss out of everyone on it and enjoying it. And this year, I mean, it's, it's not happening this year now, but the the Icelandic band that was on this year, I can't remember what they're called, but my daughter loves their song so much. She calls it the Wiggle Your Bum song. <laughs> and um, and it's genuinely catchy. It's very sort of hot chip-like. And uh, so we were really quite looking forward to having... I don't know, being able to show her that on TV, but uh, maybe maybe next year. I did look that song up when you said about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see where you're going with that. And Iceland normally, I have actually got an Icelandic entry from about 2009 on my phone, believe it or not, which I probably should admit to. Yeah, um, what was it? It's it's a really boring, serious song. It's called uh, Johanna, Is It True? And it, it, it sounds like it could be out of a Disney musical, um, but Iceland normally do something quite fun didn't they? they they can be quite quirky so i completely agree yeah. with you that I, I, as much as i probably shouldn't admit it i do watch eurovision as well because it's just such a brilliant camp spectacular isn't it 
it's so much there's nothing else like it and also i feel like there is a weird uh, as much as i say it's about taking the piss out of it but it's, it's a weird community feel to it even though everyone's watching it at home i know lots of people have parties and stuff but that i don't know it's like everyone's tuned in to just see how bonkers it is yeah. and we're all aware that it's bonkers and everyone around the world is aware that it's completely bonkers and there's something so beautiful about that i don't know i really relish it do you reckon america understand what eurovision is and because surely they've got nothing like it over there no, I well, I don't think they do, but then I think they also have far too much that's kind of like it in terms of its weirdness in it just in their like day to day adverts of people yeah. that are in a carpet warehouse or whatever. You know, it's that level of you know. I mean, like I don't know if you've seen Tiger King yet, but the fact they have characters like that in real life probably means that they don't necessarily need <laughs> they don't need them to perform on a big stage once a year. I think maybe it's just hey, these people exist in every state. <laughs> I completely do endorse your Eurovision love because, it, again, there's just nothing like it. And do you think that being British, we're a little bit more tongue-in-cheek self-aware or do you think that we do take it more seriously than what we... Because we're always coming last now because yeah. of various different issues. Do you think we that bites us a little bit? Do you think we actually do want to secretly bump ourselves up the league table? But what I never get is we always choose the absolute worst, but, like, uh, you know... I'm sure they try very hard, but there's not even with the wealth of music that there is in the UK, we could try really hard to put someone actually good on. And they often just go, oh, just stick that person on. And they'll just like, you know, I almost wonder if we just don't want the cost of it being held here, especially like post Brexit. It's going to be like, no, we don't want to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we don't don't have to allow all the visas or whatever. But it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I also, I feel like most countries are aware of what it is. Um, but then every now and then, Especially if you go on holiday, like there will be, there'll be music and you just go, I don't know how you can, like this, this is terrible. <laughs> this is so cheesy, but it'll be number one. But then, hey, who am I talking Like the same happens here. I just choose, I know how to ignore it here. So that's probably the reason. Is there any British entries that stand out for you in the past? Because I, I, I always think of Michael Balls, bless him. He did um, One Step Out of Time, which I've still got in my head now. As oh, a, wow. As a, um, well, obviously Katrina and Ways won it for us. Have you got yeah. any that stand out for you? No, I think you've mentioned the only, like some of the only ones I could remember. What was um, the one that Cheryl uh, Green was in? Uh, you know, that oh, one. Um, do you mean the Bucks Fizz one? Yes. Cheryl Baker. Cheryl Baker. There you go. How um, do I, this is how terrible my knowledge Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey. I do. This is this is this is a lockdown brain. I've lost all. I, I lost so so much uh, of just useful information because uh, instead I just know how to talk to my daughter's various different <laughs> toys that she has. It's totally gone from yeah, my did, head. I did see Mr. T the other day on on your feeds. Uh, you had like some sort of Mr. T device, and she was mm. doing the. Um, I pity the fool or some or something repeating back to us. Your daughter is adorable, by the way. There's there's been some Thanks, social man. media clips that come out of her. It's just absolutely heart melting. Especially she's the one just where gone she's viral this weekend. I I put a picture of her up on. I'm trying to be careful about putting pictures of her up on social media because you know uh, people can be weird. But also, uh, but I'm also realizing that she's only two. Her face is going to change dramatically in about a year's time. So that <laughs> putting a picture <laughs> up now is probably safe. But I put a picture up on uh, yesterday, and it's on something like nearly three and a half thousand, four thousand likes or whatever oh, wow. 
And I was like, oh, no, she's doing better than I am. <laughs> she's managed it. But she was sitting on the sofa insisting on wearing sunglasses and a summer dress while eating Weetabix. And she would only talk to us if we spoke like Donald Duck. So it was like, I was just basically pointing out that she's doing the lockdown better than we are. She just could rule it. You know? That's it. That's it. That's what we all need to do. We, know, we all need to pick a character each day and just talk like that. Absolutely. And we were kind of linking into my next question with being on Eurovision, but it's now been kind of scuppered by the fact we're talking about doing Donald Duck voices. So the the next one was a bucket list destination. If you could go anywhere in the universe, where would you personally like to go? And this question is formed because of just generally exploring your mind. If you can't get outdoors, it's useful to kind of just, you know, Mm. have a ponder. So where would you potentially like to go? Well, the thing, there's tons of places on the planet that I'd like to go, but you put universe and um, I'd like... I would so love to go to space. I, I, was, I was really influenced some years ago, and I wrote a whole show about it, right? I, I was really influenced by um, uh, Chris Hadfield's uh, book. Uh, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut that was on the International Space Station in, oh, God, was it 2013? I think he was there for six months. Yeah. And um, Canadian astronaut. And his book um, was... Uh, Oh, gosh, I can't remember now what it's called. But it's all about how all the skills you need to be an astronaut are also important skills in being a human being and just being a good person and, you know, surviving, really, and, and mental health and physical health. It, it, was, it was brilliant and one of the most... I, I find a lot of books like that quite wanky, but from an astronaut, it's actually genuinely inspiring and really beautifully written and not patronising at all. Um, But he wrote a big thing about how looking back on the Earth for the first time was like a life-changing experience for him and 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 reading about that i then started researching it and it's a whole thing called the overview effect and lots of astronauts get it they look back at earth for the first time and just get this overwhelming like oh my god that's my home and not only are they overwhelmed with it being their home they also just see it as a whole planet and and no borders and no wars and none of the kind of issues that you know are territories and, and they come away uh, often being far more of an environmentalist than they were before, even if they were already, they become even more passionate about saving it, but also really like um, believing uh, in unity around the planet and really believing that that uh, having even individual countries is silly, you know, because it, it changed their whole perspective of how much we are one place. And it's such a beautiful thing that I would... I would love to do it, you know. And I, I wrote a whole show that was basically about why do we have to send people to space for them to realise that, <laughs> like how annoying it is. But, but like I would, I would dream of doing that. But I also know that going up in space is the most terrifying thing I can. Like I, when I've sort of studied, you know, them going up in the Soyuz capsule and they're all like crammed in and the speed it has to go and the things that could go wrong, I couldn't handle it. That stress would absolutely destroy me. And uh, if I could teleport there and just be there, boom, done fine otherwise i am uh i mean i'm increasingly getting more and more scared of flying as i get older i've always been a really happy flyer and the older i get the more and more i'm aware of my own mortality (laughs) when i fly and so going to space would be like the extremes of that so you know it's it's on the list but i'd have to find a nice easy way to get there i think and that's that's where the film's first man and and, and gravity and things like that are really good because they do just give you a perspective of oh my god you've just strapped yourself literally to a rocket and then pushed yourself up there. Yeah. And anything could go wrong just for the sake yeah. of exploration and science. It's completely nuts. I, I don't know how you have the, I, I don't know how anyone has the courage to do it. And I think it's unbelievably admirable. Um, But yeah, I just, uh, I, I think the whole thing about space exploration, about the, um, and, and I spent quite a few years reading lots about it. And I feel like I've sort of lost my way a bit recently, purely because uh, again, 
dad i'm blaming everything on my daughter that's what every everything that i'm not doing paying enough attention to now is her fault entirely her fault but just the fact that it's about exploring and discovering and uh you know all the things that star trek was about but like it's positive and it's about furthering our knowledge and furthering what we know about and i think that that is so refreshing compared to so many of the politics and the ways of thinking that are on earth uh, and people who aren't astronauts you know that's about keeping territories or let's make this place as tiny as possible and keep everyone out and you know and and i think that that uh, i don't know the whole world of space travel is is so much more interesting than that it's like and the like, best of us basically like you say it's the ultimate macro level of looking down on the world you know how can mm. you get the same perspective of what you've had domestically when you've got a just the ultimate overview it must, it must be mind-boggling to actually view that site from that distance yeah and probably a bit terrifying you know because how would you ever how would you take that all in but just knowing that like uh, or seeing those i've watched lots of videos of like the northern lights from space and and you just think how watching that must be life-changing it must be there's a beautiful thing you could do i was just doing it today actually the hubble telescope is now 30 years old and they've set up a website nasa have where you can put in your birthday and it shows you a picture that was taken on your birthday and mine was of some distant galaxy and there's a beautiful nebula in the middle of it and uh, my daughter's is like a really crystal clear picture of saturn and it's just oh i could i could just stare at it for days I'm totally doing that. As soon as we get off, I'm totally doing that. That's amazing. But you've also got some, I'll say domestic, but um, you've also got some grounded on earth places that you'd like to go as well, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, two two of the best places I've ever been were um, Iceland and uh, Japan. And well, I love, I love like, I, I need to travel more. I just want to travel more. And every time I go, like every every time I'm lucky enough to do a gig somewhere else in the world, um, I don't get to go on holiday very often. So if I if I get to travel, it's often because I've got a gig there. And uh, I've had two, oh no, I suppose three real holidays if I count the honeymoon. Uh, that is a holiday, but it's sort of a different reason. We have a holiday <laughs> for holiday's sake. I've only done two maybe in the last 10 years. And one was to Iceland for a week um, where uh, me and my wife got to see the Northern Lights and genuinely was just incredible but but also iceland feels like being on another planet because it's all volcanic sand and mountains and not many trees and everything feels weird and the sky is a strange color we went in january and there's only like an hour and a half of daylight and it was magical the whole thing was so magical um but there's something about the whole of like scandinavia that i love and really you know in my head it's always go somewhere hot on holiday and then going to like I went to Tromsø in northern Norway and going there and just being surrounded by mountains and snow and you suddenly go actually this is as this feels as good and as good for my brain as being somewhere hot it was incredible um and then Japan I went to Japan for 2 weeks and and I just I dream of going back on regular occasion but um I need to I I want to see more I'd love to go to more of the Middle East and more of Africa and I don't know I'm on a <laughs> just at the moment the thought of traveling anywhere is so exciting like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't believe you've seen the Northern Lights. That's my ultimate bucket list. I've even got a Northern Lights lava lamp. That's how much I, I love oh, it. Oh, well, well yeah. I'm really, I, I don't want to like really make you too jealous, but I've seen them twice because oh, I got to, I went on holiday to Iceland for a, a week because uh, me and my wife really just wanted to go. And they do this amazing thing there, right? Because they're good people. You book like a, you can book a coach trip that drives you out to the outskirts and you hopefully see them. And if you don't see them, you get to go again for free 
because they really want you to see them and they're oh, excited no. about you seeing them. And like, so we got to then go, we went one night and it was too cloudy. So we chose the next night and the coach driver drove us out and then he suddenly went, the lights in the sky, they are dancing for us. And we all piled out the coach and the skylight just was like swirling red and green. And I don't know, it was completely unlike anything I've ever, it, it looked like the sky had been CGI'd. It was insane. Um, but then later that year, I got to do gigs in Iceland, which was incredible. So I was driving, we were going to like these tiny little places. Um, like we, we started in Reykjavik, which was awesome. And the gigs there were proper packed, like proper good, really fun gigs. And then we'd drive out to these little places and it'd be like a big hall, but there'd only be about 30, 40 people there. And I was being a bit of a dick. And I'd say to the promoter, like, oh, it's not very busy. And he'd be like, what do you mean? This is half the city. This is half the town that have come out for tonight. Whatever. <laughs> it was amazing. And these people had never seen live comedy before. And so you're pointing to people that never witnessed it ever. It was a brilliant. And then on one of our drives home from one of the gigs... Uh, it was all like snowy and icy and we pulled over because the sky just suddenly turned green and swirling and oh, and that was like the best drive home from a gig I've ever had. <laughs> it was amazing. So that actually does lead me into the next question. So I, I think in terms of um, if I've had a bad pain day or, or you, you're really good that you rescheduled this with me today because we should have been doing it yesterday, but uh, it was a bad day for me. So you've been really good in, in adapting so I mean, I you've chosen is... probably the least busy time of my entire life. So <laughs> you've done very well. <laughs> and we haven't even got Easter eggs to eat because that's illegal now. We can't even carry them. Oh, um, mate, we hoarded those a while ago. We're oh, on good, it. good shit. That's a good idea. Have you got anywhere in your mind that you, that you'll go and you'll walk in your head? You know, just kind of zone out, channel out. Have you got anything like that that you do? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more and more, I mean, in my head and in real life, like the sea just calms me down. Uh, and I don't know why, because being in the sea terrifies me again, as, as I've got older, the idea of being in the sea is the worst thing in my life. It's full of creep. There's big things in there. They've got teeth. And, um, but just walking by the sea is, I don't know, instantly soothing. I just find it instantly, you know, uh, a, a good friend of mine, um, who I do uh, our shows, our kids' politics shows with Tatton. He lives in Whitstable and they've just got this stony beach and you can just walk this path along the beach and it's so beautiful. And and just thinking about that and the waves crashing is instantly like, ah, oh, good. I don't know, you just feel like you've got the space and freedom and calm and that sound is, uh, you know, there's nothing like it. I, I've always lived in the city. I've always been a London boy and so never been near the sea and yet always really want like being by the sea i don't i should move but then i feel like i'll get too much of it and i'll have to like walk on a busy road to calm myself down or something it'd be terrible and let's just have a quick breather before we get back to Tiernan, we're going to just remind you that if you need any help that's what the calm zone are there for so go to the calmzone.net find their helpline which is 0800 585858 and their web chat as well they do web chat and if you can donate anything if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it if you can chuck the calm zone a pound or two it all helps so thank you so much for listening let's get back to tin and do you this is the next category that we're going to do um you kind of spotted over my shoulder the the little yellow teapot and this is what this is about this is all about nostalgia have you got any kind of favorite childhood toys that you know, just instantly bring you back joy thinking about them. Yeah, I've, uh, I say to my shame, it's not to my shame at all, actually, I'm quite proud of it. Uh, all my Star Wars toys, right? And I'm talking like the really little 80s, what they called Kenner, I think, made them. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, you know, I was born in 81. I started collecting by, you know, by by two or three. My parents bought them for me because I loved Star Wars so early on. And uh, I've still got, like, my entire collection are at my parents' house. And um, and I don't I don't think I'll ever get rid of them. I will give them to my daughter at some point. She's just got she's just got my whole load of my old like um mine and my brother's old Marvel toys, which is really oh, exciting. Wow. Like old like so it'd be the early nineties, late eighties, like uh, X Men and and Spider Man and Captain America. And she is now playing mad games with them, where like the Juggernaut and the Incredible Hulk are doing a little circle dance together and holding hands. And it's a whole <laughs> Marvel universe that they haven't explored in the films yet, but I hope they get there. Um, and it's lovely watching her play with them. But the, the Star Wars ones, uh, I don't know, they, they just were my absolute treasure. And uh, and the, the adventures I had in my head as a kid with them were too vast for me ever to get rid of them. I can't do it. And it all just had so many. And every little random weird character. We used to go to jumble sales and try and find little ones. And, you know, yeah. there was a whole excitement to it that... Uh, I don't know. I'm sure kids do get it with toys now, but um, especially with something like Star Wars, when there's a galaxy load of characters, mm. you know, to to find all the different little weird ones was properly like, properly exciting. I think we must be separated at birth because all of mine are still around. My parents they are all boxed up. I won't get rid of them. Um, is there any that you had that you particularly were fond of? Because I always used to like the the Y wings. I used to find them really tactile and really cool, and they also had a little little bomb that used to come out and drop and explode um yeah they we were had a, amazing we had an x-wing but i preferred the y-wing is there any that you wanted that you never got uh i really wanted the ewok village i never got that so so i think the, the issue we had is um so when i was growing up my, my parents didn't really have any money and so most of my toys were in jumble sales and there was a little second hand shop near us that often had to have Star Wars figures in and my good mate um who his name is finbar genuinely tin and finbar like you don't i don't know how that happened uh it's very weird just the two weirdest kids in school like weirdest named kids in school uh, became friends that he i wasn't allowed to get star wars toys that he had because uh it, like it saved his and my yeah. parents money if we just because we played together all the time so whichever ones he had i couldn't get and vice versa and um, so he had like the ewok village he had the why uh, he had the y-wing i didn't but i had the atat right oh, wow. and and the atat is still that and the rancor monster were still like just amazing because they were just so big as well like yeah. and to scale and it was just so impressive to have something that big that you could play with that had like little lights that did the lasers and yeah. ah man it was amazing the yeah, detail the they put in those toys was perfect as well and they had little studs that you could stand them up in you know because each, mm. each figure had a little hole in its foot so you could put them on the stud and it would stand up in there as you said the attack was huge and you could put your hand in there and add a little little controller you can move the head and, and work the uh, the sort of the the light oh, I'm going to really let myself down now. I should know the terminology, but the little laser cannons. Um, it was just perfect. And Scout Walkers was good as well because they had a little button on the back where you could yeah, press Yeah, you could move the legs. Yeah. yeah, they're amazing. So Probably I need to do a toys. whole podcast on this alone, don't I? It's just Star Wars toys. That's, right, yeah, we need to get on. We need to work on that. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um... Have you got any favourite childhood TV programmes, ones that stand out for you? Yeah, loads. I like loads of them. But, but um, I, I gave you quite a list, and I put like, put Muppets on there. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Muppets and yeah. the A-Team. I love the A-Team. But like, um, there's funny ones where, like, so uh, my daughter found... I've got a DVD of The Mysterious Cities of Gold, um, and I've never quite sat through it all again, and I should have done, really. But she always wanted to know what the DVD, what DVD was. So I'd sing her the theme tune, which is legendary. Yeah. And she then really always wanted to hear the theme tune. I found like the track of it and we play it to her. And then I finally sat down a couple of months ago and said, why don't we just watch it? And I forgot just how amazing it was. <laughs> like, it probably brought back all these memories of being really engaged. And also little things like the cartoon is brilliant and it's about a part of history. You know, they're searching for the, for the, um, El Dorado in the, in the city of God, but it's it's set in oh, I can't remember now is it the twelfth century thirteenth century in Spain uh, and they go on a voyage to find it and so there's so mu- there's so much historical context to it and at the end of every episode they do a little like documentary uh, with real life footage or recreations of what sort of ancient uh, South American tribes did and where the legend comes from and us I, I must have taken this in my head as a kid you know just absorbed it without knowing it. And that was, that's truly amazing that, that they would do something like that in a, in a show that was on BBC, CBBC, the equivalent of CBBC or whatever at four in the afternoon. Um, so that's now got a special place in my heart because it's kind of come back into my life. I didn't realise because I, I must admit I got put off by that because it, it, it just seemed like a serious cartoon. And I was never the most serious that I got with a cartoon, shamefully, was about Dog Tanyan. I think oh, I was about man, Dog Tanyan was great, though. It was, yeah, even now I, I used to, I, I used to fancy Julia. I think she was my first crush. I really did. <laughs> Fair cool, man. Fair cool. But I never yeah. did you. I never did well Ulysses, which you've also got on your list. So yeah, if you could speak about Ulysses thirty one. Oh, but Ulysses is the most exciting. It's one like the best ever sort of Greek myths, but set in the future where he has like a sword and a, a, a like a special shield. You know, his sword that turned into a gun, which is basically what every kid would like. I always want a sword gun. I still want a sword gun. Um, you know, and and again, had, there's something about the theme tunes from the 80s, where because like 80s music sort of coming back in now and has been since, thanks to Stranger Things theme tune and various other things. But the theme tune's still so awesome. Mm. It just still sounds so amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have any memory of how Ulysses 31 ended, and I can't remember if he ever got back home, but... Uh, uh, which I sh- I do need to sort of catch up on that because that's now all a DVD. But again, it, I just I I found uh, I think I've always had this real love. Uh, like we were talking earlier about the, the escapism of of I love TV series and and, and epic tales and and fantasy and being able to kind of get outside of our world a bit. And those TV series are very much these epic tales that you followed and really indulged in and cared about the characters and wanted them to kind of survive. You know, Dungeons and Dragons had the same thing. Will those kids ever get home? And that sort of carried you per episode so it wasn't just standalone kind of stories and that was really important 
you've hit the nail on the head. That's why those those questions are structured that way. Is about different worlds that you can zone out into, escape your own, and and that's really important for me. And, and the surroundings that I've had is to make sure that you do have those those moments of proper escapism. You know where you can hang your hat up on the door and go right. Let's go into this world. So have you found that important in, in your existence as well? Yeah, massively. I, I find that one of the most calming things. I, I don't know. I'm really missing reading at the moment. I haven't read enough in the last few years uh, because, um, again, my daughter, I'm going to blame her again, but I find now that, that, that there was definitely a period after she was born and still now where I will start looking at a book and fall asleep instead of taking it all in. Um, and so there's been rare rare books that have been too gripping for me to do that and I've cherished them like that Station Eleven which I mentioned earlier um, and I've just been I'm on the second book now of the Broken Earth trilogy which by N.K. Jemison, and that's all about an, a world where um, they're kind of it's kind of I suppose again horribly prescient they've kind of gone through an extreme climate change uh, scenario but they've got people who can control tremors and they, they there are various tremors that happen that kind of destroy areas and there are people who have powers and they can kind of soothe the tremors or cancel them out and it's it, I'm really not doing a good job of selling it but it, she's created this incredible world with its own language but it the story is so uh, engaging and I'm just fully on board with it and I just spend a lot of time thinking what will happen next to these people yeah. and that takes me out of my own head every time I do that which is, is so what's needed I think but also all those things help you reflect on your own life you know you look at how they're all allegories or they're all what every writer is based on humanity and based on the things they actually know yeah. um, I find a lot of these things that you read and you can kind of put our own world into perspective quite a lot of the time and that's why reading is great as well because you can have these scenarios but each one is going to be different because of our own our mm. own you know sense of escapism and, and, and mental uh, paintings that we're going to put onto it which is why again you know I'd love to read more but I get sent quite a lot of uh, non-fiction books for the stop and search podcast so everything I'm reading at the moment is kind of criminal justice based <laughs> yeah yeah um, I had the same with politics books and I and yeah. I've had to just step away and go no I need to read like things that are fiction I really need to read some imaginary stuff yeah. for my own for my own good and I don't know if it, we had any ambient noise just then but my other half has just creaked up and down the stairs and then gone back out so if there's any kind of ambient noise on that then you can blame Sarah for that um because we have got to creak his bloody staircase for some reason and on that weird link <laughs> it's got, got no relevance whatsoever have you got a favorite kind of game so it could be board game pub game computer game anything like that again completely nostalgic to you that you've gone yeah i've lost myself in that yeah i've got loads I'm, i love computer games uh so much and i i'm i, I tell you this is Say, explain to someone recently that I can't. I hate online games and playing with people online because for me, computer games are something I can do by myself and sit there and get absorbed into the world and have no one else disturb or ruin it. And so I don't want to play multiplayer shoot 'em ups. I'd like everyone else to sod off so I can just be in this world by myself. <laughs> which exactly. is terrible. I completely agree with that. Yes. I <laughs> when I was a kid, the online and big worlds was. I would have loved that. I would have dreamt of that. But now, as an adult, I'm like, no, sod that. I want to be yeah. on my own. Yeah, I want to get involved in this story by myself. And yeah. so I've always loved things like, uh, in recent years, sort of like Skyrim and The Witcher 3 and all those sort of games that are a proper adventure. Um, and I've got loads. Of, I, I, we did a, a, an online pub quiz the other night and, and uh, last night and somebody did a computer game noises round and they put one of the noises from Final Fantasy 7 and I was the only one to get it because that game meant, like, meant so much. I put so much time and effort into Final Fantasy 7 and just 
everything was about that game while I was playing it. Um, but in more recent years, I've played Zelda Breath of the Wild. And honestly, it's like that was like a life changing experience. It, it couldn't It's one of those things that you couldn't get out of your head when you weren't doing it. So you could think about hugely detrimental to all the rest of my life. But <laughs> at the time, it was it was a really um, like uh, perfect. Time. I played it. Uh, I was playing it just uh, before our daughter was born. And so my wife was quite heavily pregnant, needing to sleep lots and eat lots. And so I was just spending a lot of the extra time going, right, well, you sleep. I'm going to just get my head in this zone and kind of calm before the storm. <laughs> and um, I just think it's the most magical and beautiful looking game. Uh, and the stories, the writing that they put into those things is, is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I miss it. I miss playing it, which is weird. I could go back and play it, but that'd be a lot of investment. So um, I'm just going to indulge in, mm. in the nostalgia of it, I think. I think the Zelda games, because I never played them because I was always a uh, Mega Drive but the Zelda games in general were always big, weren't they? They were quite. They were ahead of their time for creating a world. Yeah, they're they're really massive, and they are again, it's, especially the later ones. The fact that you have freedom to travel around almost all of it, as long as I mean, you have to kind of progress, otherwise you'll die if you get certain bits. But you know, and and the, the fact that it's also always difficult, but never so difficult that you give up on it. You know, mm. there's a, a. It's they're just very well made. Um, yeah. And good music as well. Brilliant music, the Zelda music. And again, this doesn't remotely link at all, but is there a, a period of history that you would like to live in if you could? Could be any time whatsoever. If you d- About two do like months a ago? Does that, that count? Two months ago. Totally, like, yeah, yeah, let's go back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd we'll, be great. We'll tell the world what happens and they won't believe it. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, no, I'd, I'd be... I often think about this, but I'd be so shit in history. I'd be dead within minutes. I mean, for a start, I'm diabetic. I wouldn't get on. They didn't do insulin <laughs> back then. But also, I just don't think I'd... I think I'm sort of made for nowadays. Uh, there is a bit of me that would love to have done more of the... Uh, so I was an early teenager in the... Well, not even an early teenager. Uh, in the early 90s, I would be sort of 11, 12, 13. And I am quite sad that I missed like the rave scene and like the Hacienda in Manchester and that sort of thing. If I'd been just a little bit older, then I could have done that. But... Uh, just missed out on it which i'm a bit yeah. sad about but i don't know i'm I'm sort of well i say i'm pleased with now obviously i'm not we're in a lockdown <laughs> there's a pandemic but apart from those things i really like that i'm in the era of the internet and uh lots of other things that uh i think you know life's luxuries that we do get now i think you, you have got on your answers that because i'm gonna i'm gonna mark you um mm-hmm. but you've got 1400s career or egypt yeah, but mainly, I mean, I put those in A because I've been watching that program that's set in 1400s in Korea, so it was in my head. But also, I'd just love to know exactly what things were going on. Like, I'd, I'd love to go back to ancient Egyptian times just to go, how did you build that? How yeah, did that happen? Yeah. But again, I'd be dead. I'd be enslaved and dead within minutes. It wouldn't like it wouldn't suit me. I'd get two minutes of going, all oh, right, you did it. You just put blocks there and that was it. And then <laughs> I'd be like, you know, whipped to death. It wouldn't be good. I don't think I'd last very long, um, you know. So, uh, and, and so I'd be like, be... I'd want a fizzy drink or something. And they wouldn't, you know, I'd just be, <laughs> I'd be in a terrible situation. <laughs> Where do I plug my phone in? Dead. They just kill me. So, you know. So you're not going to be doing any quantum leaping anytime soon. No. Again, you know, in an ideal situation where you could just sort of pop back for a few seconds, have a look at things and safely travel. I'd be all over the shop. I would go, th- I'd see a lot of old gigs. There's a lot of musicians I wish I'd seen. I wish I'd seen a Jeff Buckley live gig and a, a Jimi Hendrix live gig and a Nina Simone live gig. And I never saw James Brown. And there's lots of musicians I'd love to have seen perform in their heyday and been at live gigs for. Um, but I'd pop back and do those and then 
safely return home and check Twitter. I had a I must, post about it on Twitter. <laughs> I must admit, I've always kind of liked to have known what Woodstock was really like. Yeah. Um, and I've never, you've, you know, you twisted my perspective on that because I've, I've thought in terms of, of historical places. But yeah, you're right. There's loads of music gigs and, and events like that that would be useful if you could be a bit of a fly on the wall for. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like my, my dad went to the Isle of Wight Festival when Jimi Hendrix played. Oh. And, I, and, and I sort of said to him, what was it like? And he's like, I don't remember. I was off my face. Oh. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I just, I need to know. <laughs> I totally don't blame him. Because how would you to know that that was his last gig? But, yeah. uh, damn, I wish I could have seen it. I wish I could have done Well, your dad has given a good segue into the next category, which is appreciation. So, you know, it, it, making most of the senses, liking what you like uh, and being aware. <laughs> let's, let's let that be a lesson to Tiernan's dad. Um, so if, <laughs> if, you, if, you was, uh, if you, again, this goes back to slightly uh, subsection of comfort as, as well. But if you was to be a, ca- I love smelly candles. So if you was to be a, a candle maker, what would go into your very special bespoke smelly candle? Uh, I wrote you such a list for this, but there's again, I'm so fickle in that I will smell something and immediately go, Oh my god, that's the best smell ever! And then five minutes later, smell something else and go, Oh no, I'd completely forgot about that smell, and that has made me really happy. Um, like we had some, we, we walked past a place that did fresh bagels today on our one walk out, and I was like, Oh, we bought some, and just went, I could just smell these all day. This makes me so pleased, but um, so I wrote you, I'll, I'll read out my long list to you, right? Because um, it. it includes all the things. I still like all these things right this second, but also at that minute, I was like all of these things right now. <laughs> um, but really fresh coffee. I've just recently become a proper coffee wanker and um, somebody for a charity gig I did a little while ago bought me a V60 coffee dripper. And I was like, uh, I can't, be- I've never been bothered to make proper coffee. I've, I'd like it. I'd buy it in a shop, but I wouldn't bother like, you know, met ready made, but I never bothered to make it at home. And then I got bought this gift as a sort of, um, for doing this charity gig, the person running it was very thoughtful and said, look, I know you become this uh, when uh, my daughter was little and said, I know you parent, I think you might appreciate this. And I was like, OK, but he bought me the coffee maker with the filters with like some nice coffee. So I had the whole thing there and I made one cup and immediately went, this is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And now I've become addicted to I just try and find little. Like my little treat to myself is once a month I'll try and order like one bag or two bags of nice coffee from somewhere for like 10, 15 quid and I don't buy it in the shops anymore and then I make my coffee in the morning I have two, one to two cups and that's my me set of the day and so at the moment there's a really good uh, place called Dark Arts Coffee and they're currently doing a blend called, uh, like a, a coffee bean called Cabin Fever and so that's really helping me right now it's so tasty <laughs> I love it so fresh coffee um, roasted marshmallow uh, is just forever in there because I could eat that despite being diabetic I've got a terrible sweet tooth and it's like the horrible irony of my life um, and I could always eat marshmallows um, I really like the road tarmac smell and I don't know why um, I really like the smell of fresh grass as well it's not on the list but I've got hay fever so I hate it but I love it sea yeah, um, air we mentioned that earlier sea air is like an absolute honeysuckle um, walked past some the other day and it's probably good um, my, this is so cheesy but it's my, my daughter's head uh, post bath genuinely there's something about after she's had a bath, it's not even the shampoo she, the shampoo she uses. It's the fact that she genuinely just smells amazing. And then in about half an hour, she's like sort of pooed herself and it's all gone wrong. <laughs> but for that brief period of time, it's like, how do you smell so amazing? Um, 
also love a proper pasta sauce like so i really like making i love cooking and i really like making a proper slow cooked pasta sauce with loads of olive oil and basil and oregano in it and really letting it cook and mm. lots of garlic like that's been slightly fried in the olive oil and the smell that that gives off and goes around the flat is heroic um and really into noodle dishes and ramen bowls so like a really umami ramen um so all of those there's, i mean there's loads i could list forever because i just love smells of things so most of them are food a lot of them are food that's um, perfect absolutely perfect yeah. because because uh, you put on there none of this will go together but that's what i like no I if you put that all in one candle it would be horrific <laughs> and it would be, it'd be good for like driving insects away or something so you've reminded me and i don't know where this has come from but at school we actually did a class in whatever junior school it was because i mean are you like me where i don't do years one two three four five it's like no first year second year i'm like the old school yeah 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 it's still confusing so at at junior school we had a class where they burnt fabric in front of us and then we had to describe how it melted and how it smelled i'm fairly sure you wouldn't get away with that in this day and age oh my god that sounds amazing though so i can still remember what hessian smells like when it burns and and that's actually quite a nice smell yeah, I bet it is. God, so, that yeah, sounds like it, a brilliant class. Yeah, I need to. I need. To, that's totally. There you go. You need to replicate that in the flat with your daughter. Going right. This is this is on. <laughs> and that's how we start the Great Fire of London. Hey, that's how the last plague ended. To be fair, so uh, we solved maybe it. Maybe we kick it off again. Yeah, that's it. There that's we go. how we do it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, quick. Let's get on before this gets any more incriminating. A book. Yes, very a true. book that you liked. Uh yeah, the one um, the one I mentioned recently was Station Eleven, which is amazing. But I think um, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is one of those books that absolutely changed my life. Like I, I, my sense of humor was was entirely changed by that book. There's a line within the first couple pages that talks about when the spaceships first arrived, and it says the ships hung in the air the way that bricks don't. <laughs> and I genuinely like I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing at that, and I couldn't wrap my head around how you. Douglas Adams could write a sentence like that like it just changed it was one of those proper like look at things a different way mm. humor you know just here is how humor can be and uh, I, I don't know it, it absolutely blew my mind um and then the other one I put was World War Z because I again we were talking about zombie things earlier but World War Z is is genuinely I think one of the best zombie books uh it's incredibly gripping but also the way in which it's written so it's different diary accounts of different people who were uh, involved in it as it kicked off maybe not right now i mean maybe don't read it right now yeah maybe wait a few months and uh and see what is it what this is the problem isn't it all the books i like uh are just <laughs> far too far too uh prescient at the moment i think and and like i said this world war z was trending on one of the stream channels as well so i don't know what the psyche's like of our oh, but the film is rubbish the film is terrible it's not like the book so you one of those dickheads who say the book is better, but right. the book is actually completely different and therefore better. Um, the film is awful. Don't do it. Don't put yourself through it. And then it takes us on to comfort film or t- uh, comfort food, sorry, or takeaway. Is there anything that you like really like to indulge in in food? Yeah, loads. Um, loads. I really like Thai, uh, Thai. Well, I really like... Uh, we've, we've well got into... Um, I think we went to Japan in 2015 and now we've become those North London wankers that try and make Japanese food all the time and try and make, um, which I'm veggie. So basically I can't eat most of Japanese food anyway, but the, all the veggie stuff we try and make or, and, and just South, Southeast Asian food is all, 
uh, stuff that we like. We like a lot of spices. I put hot sauce and chilies in as much as possible. Um, and again, I've had to be careful because we're now trying to eat with our daughter a lot more. So I have to not put chili in. But she's she's not bad. She can handle a little bit of chili. So oh. we're being careful. Um, but when it's takeaway, Thai takeaways up there but only if they've got crispy vegetable tempura and if they don't i'm not going there you're not having my business get out um and in which case i'd switch to indian and preferably south indian i want like a dozer i love a big fat dozer that is champion i'm going to pull you up on something we were talking about before we went live which is porridge oh yeah tell me about your porridge because this is this has blown my mind well, um, I, I'm going to blame some of it on Josie Long, right? Because Josie Long, the comedian, brilliant comedian, um, she some years ago did a show that started with all the different types of porridge that she has, right? <laughs> and um, I can't remember why. It was like the 10-minute routine at the beginning. She took pictures of all the different porridge she had every day. And it started with all different ones with fruit. And, and I wasn't really into porridge much anyway. You know, I'd like the occasional bowl. And I'd often cover it in honey and, and butter and just awful things. And anyway, along her list at one point was a savoury one. And I can't remember why that got into my head. But also I was in Scotland at the time. It was at the Edinburgh Fringe. And in Scotland, they often, lots of people eat porridge with salt. And I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to give it a try, right? What have I got to lose? And uh, and I discovered that it's easily the tastiest I've ever had porridge. And then from then on, I experimented. I put Marmite in porridge and started having a fried egg on top. And we did, um, it was a recipe. I think it might be an Ottolenghi recipe or something in one of the newspapers the other day. And that was about like a savoury porridge that had like, um, yeah, like crushed garlic and ginger in it with hot sauce on it. And so we've been doing that with an egg on top. And because oats, uh, how you, however you flavour them, that's how they go. So if you make them savoury, it is just like savoury stodge. It's delicious. It's like having polenta or or something else like that. So we we like we like savoury in the mornings, and uh, that's that's how we do a lot of our mornings now. So I, I, I'm in shock because I, I, I've got my only porridge is Nutella, and and I have to eat it in a certain way where I drain the oats off, so I'm left with this Nutella soup afterwards, which I then. So the fact that you've had fried egg on yours is just so outlandish that I can't comprehend it. Is it? But do you do you ever have savoury breakfast, or do you only ever have savoury no, breakfast? No, I, I don't right. like like I can't do a f- English fried breakfast because I'm, I'm a vegetarian right. as well. So, but I couldn't. Yeah, there's no way I could face like a little chef breakfast. I just couldn't do it. But you couldn't do one of like your own your own like you you wouldn't do like a big savoury. You wouldn't do scrambled eggs on toast, or you wouldn't. Do... I hate eggs as well. I don't like. Oh eggs. right, well they, this yeah. is I mean already why we're entering difficult territory for you. I'm a big savoury breakfast person anyway, so I was like lots of different eggs for breakfast and uh i can do like a good veggie english breakfast that would be amazing okay. so this is definitely up my street but yeah a lot of people don't a lot of people don't like the idea and i would say to you try it once and then um don't call me if it goes wrong i don't want to know <laughs> and we just, can blame just, josie long yeah you know josie somewhere somewhere down the line but i think it's i think it's getting more into people's mindset there's um well, i was in uh i just reminiscing about when i got to travel but when uh last year i was in hong kong doing some gigs and in hong kong I think it's also like a Chinese dish, but it's like a sort of weird savoury porridge. It's a bit gloopy. I don't quite like it. It's a bit too watery. But they put they have like an egg with that and they put ham in it. And so, I mean, well, I didn't have that. I had the veggie version. But so it's it's clearly a, a thing that happens in other places around the world. All right, I'm moving on quick before I get quick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and we're going to finish on, on the uh, appreciation round with songs. So a song that gets you pumped and a song that relaxes you and makes you chill out. Uh, I put I put a song that gets me pumped is "Hit 'Em Up" by Tupac, which is quite simply the most aggressive, uh, angry song. Um, 
uh, by you know when when he was uh, dissing Biggie Smalls uh, for you know saying that he he uh, slept with his girlfriend and uh, it's just violent. It's just really violent and angry. And I was such a big Tupac fan uh, uh, as a teenager. I still am really. And uh, I don't know something about it. Just immediately makes me go yeah, angry. <laughs> and and the same with a lot of nineties hip hop. There's a lot of tracks that I would just do a lot of like DMX and <laughs> Noriega and things like that. Um, or, and also like Rage Against the Machine. Any of that sort of level of somebody shouting angry things yeah. to sort of quite loud beats will get me right in the mood. I'm a big drum and bass fan as well. All that sort of stuff. That's what I need. Ooh. And then if you've got one that does the opposite and kind of settles you down, chills you down. Uh, yeah, I put. I've, there's loads actually. There's loads, and even this is the problem. Pinning it down to one is very hard. And I've been listening to a lot of Nils Fram lately, which is in the lockdown. Nils Fram stuff is really beautifully sort of cinematic, and I don't know. It feels like you're just outside listening to it. It's beautiful and fortet. But um, I put. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrongly. La Solil et et près de moi, uh, which is. Um, by air and it's just beautiful it just makes me think of the sunshine and uh oh, it's amazing even better though is the down the automator remix which is like it but with a slight added beat and it is that's oh, good Damn. i do like air i've got a couple of air on my phone the obvious ones but they they are just nice and they they just they kind of like are oh, zombie gel jar i think zombie gel jar was all like big lights whereas air's more like soft lights yeah it's have like, some soft yeah, lights put on a candle yeah, that's it. Which uh, that's that's more for me, I think. So quick fire. Um, have you got a taste of naughty something that you that you like to eat but you wish you didn't? Yeah, chocolate. Just endless chocolate things. I I could. I've got a terrible sweet tooth, and I I just it would be really helpful for my health and my diabetes if I didn't. But I got. I have to do it. I have to have what, it. What chocolate bars are are we liking the best? At the moment, Tony's Chocolate Only is oh, the okay. most insane chocolate that I've ever had, and I need to eat it every day. I like the Tony's because it does look like the old Wonka bars. I think you know it's, it's mm. that more tact because I don't like the fact that chocolate bars now are you know foil wrapped or, or rather you know that kind of package sealed. I, I like the yeah. foil wrapped. I like the yeah, fact yeah, you do yeah. the paper. It just it's more tactile in it. The only bad thing about the Tony's ones is that they don't break off in pieces. They break off in these mad random chunks. So oh, you end up having to eat a lot more of it than you want to. I say oh, I that you see. want to. I do want to, but like yeah, it's yeah. tricky. So it doesn't allow you to pace it. That's it. And you, have you got a spirit animal, something that you're akin to? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm akin to. I put a, a dusky monkey, monkey when I sent it to you purely because they're small and hairy and so I sort of feel akin <laughs> to them. But um, yeah, I don't know. Probably more uh, like a cat. I like wandering off and then having a sleep. <laughs> it's a perfect answer. Have you got a, a a fairly local visitor attraction that you like to go to? Yeah, our local ones changed me because, um, I mean, I, I like, in, in London, I love all the big parks. Like, I love Hampstead Heath and I love uh, Regent's Park and I love just the big open spaces that have got lots of green. But because of our little one, uh, there is the RAF Museum near us and it is free and has massive air hangers full of things where you can run around just chaotically and it's got a big playground full of wooden planes and wooden play sets and she loves it there. And I, uh, I mean... I do. I love. It's a fascinating museum historically, and I would love to one day go round it and read things. Um, but it is uh, genuinely a great place for families. Um, so yeah, we'll be going back there as soon as we're allowed to. But it's it's a genuinely good, a brilliant museum, and so I feel like I'm slightly demeaning everything and all the people that lost their lives fighting wars, and I'm sort of going, yeah, it's got a playground. That is awful. <laughs> but just as a as a museum that's been designed for families, it's so yeah. well put together, which is really good. Oh, really cool. good. 
And have you got a mental screensaver? So if you've got nothing else going on, you think, oh, I'm thinking that. Uh, well, we sort of mentioned earlier, I've got like 12, but there's like Northern Lights and there's the sea. But also um, what I didn't probably go on enough about was, yeah, massive mountains in Norway. There's something about being near them or staring at them that just makes you feel invincible. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really good. And then this next one, I bet you've got millions, but tell your stupidest joke. Yeah, well, I chose one of my own. I didn't know if you wanted someone else's, um, but my stupidest joke, I've got absolutely shitloads, but I remembered this the other day from uh, a show I did in 2010, and this was simply that um, uh, I was driving along and I saw a road sign that said hidden dip, so I got out of my car, found some hummus. Like, that is it. <laughs> that is really, it's so stupid, and it's it's awful. But, uh, but you, you do kids' comedy, don't you? Yeah. Well, like a kid's a kid's joke. My favourite kid's joke would be that I saw a little boy outside picking his nose and eating it, uh, which is disgusting. I went up to him and said, "When your parents tell you to eat your greens, that's not what they meant." So oh, you know, know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. That's right. There was savoury porridge for me. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Awful. So, what's kids' comedy like? Because that must be a strange audience. Um, do, no, they're brilliant. Do, do you find it? easier or more difficult than adults i find it completely different they're, they're they're easier in so many ways in that they're excited about a show they actually want to see a show they're used to sitting in audiences and listening because they have assemblies and they have other performances they go to um they don't judge you like adults do adults sometimes sit cross-armed and go make me laugh kids are like this is brilliant and they're just excited um and on the other hand they're not afraid to tell you anything that's in their head at any time so heckles are Rarely malicious, but more weird and wonderful, and and uh, you have to be very on your toes. But I love it. I, I just find it very refreshing. And I, this you know, this show's about sort of finding your balance and your your you know calm. And actually, for adults, I tell them how terrible I think the world is, and for kids, I tell them how brilliant I think the world is. And I think having that combination of comedy helps balance me out. Oh, that's brilliant. That's amazing. That's it for the questions. So. To wrap up on this, I want you to quickly speak about partly political broadcast. And if anybody is listening and, and wants to investigate your kids' comedy, what can they do to find out where you are and how you're doing? Obviously, at the moment, it's going to be a bit tricky, but what's the deal with that? Well, at the moment, there's there's loads of stuff. So we did an online kids' gig the other day. Um, but, I mean, firstly, check out Comedy Club for Kids. That's number four, uh, comedyclubforkids.co.uk. Um, and at the moment, if you're listening to this in these current times, uh, there's loads of free worksheets of how to write comedy stuff for kids on there there's lots of videos there's our podcast we're doing comedy club for kids podcast where uh, myself and a guest comedian are answering children's questions so one the other week was who's got the biggest bum and head in the world um you know <laughs> does time travel exist kids are sending us in these questions and comedians like beck hill and howard reed and ed petrie and stuff are helping me answer them um so that's good fun and we did an online kids gig uh via next up comedy the other day uh which was really good fun all breakfast based um so go check that out and then uh, partly political is my weekly uh a completely other end of the spectrum it's often very sweary and is my comedy politics podcast where i do stand up or podcast up i don't know what you call it when it's not pod up standing up yeah whatever the current state of things is um i do comedy about the the previous week's politics and then i have a guest on who are is often an expert uh, in in what they deal with whether they're a campaigner uh, a lecturer you know 
however it works you've been on it you've been a a guest at one point um and i i just think that's more interesting than the same few mps who always try out the same party lines i want to talk to people who are on the front line of things and can actually explain stuff to idiots like me so that's the aim of it um yeah and i've been doing that every week for about three years because i just i don't know i'm up for suffering that's what it is <laughs> and i'm not just saying it because you're in front of me but it's it's brilliant i generally do recommend it to anybody that's listening because it's you put you manage to put it in such a way that you know a you can understand and b you can relate to and it's funny which is i think rare in this day and age so oh, thank you massive congratulations on the show and thank you so so much for doing this um I feel like we have got to know you behind closed doors. Um, and I'm, <laughs> literally, I'm, at the moment, ple- yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I'm pleased, before we went on, I said, right, we are both dressed because we're having to do this remotely. So I was just worried that we've got that kind of news rigged syndrome where we can only see the top half, but underneath we're in our pants. But we've 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 suited up, haven't we? We've done it all right. Yeah, I'm definitely wearing trousers, I promise. Yeah. There you go, there's the quote from this. <laughs> so thank you so much, Tien and Duyev. And please do, if you're listening to this, check out the comedy, which is just, you know, amazing. You're hopefully going to be back out there on the scene fairly soon. Fingers crossed. If if, if it all works out and on the other end of this. And, and then, of course, check out the kids' comedy and partly political broadcast. So thank you so much, Tien and... Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. And then again, if you did enjoy that podcast, as you can, please donate a pound at least to thecalmzone.net. And if you need help, their helpline is 0800 585858 and their web chat is available as well. And one and one thank yous. Thank you so much to Nikki, the producer, for all you do. Goodness knows you're long-suffering. Thank you to John Cross for all you do. And thank you, Tristan, as well. Thank you to Jitter Jazz for the brilliant music, which I personally love. I think it's amazing. And thank you to My Name is Ad for the artwork. And we're going to see you again soon. We're going to climb into bed with another person that hopefully you'll find very interesting and get to know their private life. So until then, just keep talking, keep calm, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.